0: As we move on to just seven, which is incredible, Subhanallah, because it's indicative that we are essentially a week into the month of Ramadan. That means that hopefully we have a week of good deeds under our belt, so to speak. But we also we also hope that we can continue to put in work during the the remaining days, the remaining few weeks that we have in terms of this blessed month. We ask Allah to help us to cash in as best we can. In terms of just number seven, one of the, one of the points that are, uh, that are clear, especially early on, Allah Azza wa Jal makes it very clear to not make things, to not make something that Allah has allowed to be forbidden. So Allah addresses the believers. Allah says, Ya <laughs> amanu, do not make what is halal, what he has made halal, haram and don't transgress. So this gives us a framework and it ties in with the hadith that that I'm sure we're all familiar with in the 40 hadith of Imam al nawi In one specific hadith that I'm referring to is when the Prophet he mentioned that what's halal is clear and what's haram is clear. And between them, there are many ambiguous matters. So the, the Prophet is warning us to proceed with caution Essentially, and at the end of the hadith, that's where the Prophet he mentioned that there's a piece of flesh in the body because it all goes back to the sincerity of the intention. Coupled with responsible knowledge and practicing that knowledge as best we can, there's a piece of flesh in the body. If it's good, then everything else is good. And if it's corrupt, then everything else is corrupt. Indeed, it's the heart. So for this part of the juz where Allah emphasizes this, where Allah mentions this, it should cause us to take a step back And to have an open mind in a healthy sense, in a proper sense, in an orthodox sense, to continuously learn, so long as we're alive, to keep that door open of learning and learning and learning, especially little by little by little, because slow and steady wins the race, as we know. And to not feel that, you know, I know everything that I need to know, so I don't need to learn anything else especially in terms of deen. That's an approach that we shouldn't have that we cannot afford to have. There has to be a constant flow of learning, of gaining beneficial knowledge within everyone's capacity. And by doing so, a person will come, one, to appreciate the scholars far more, to really appreciate the scholars now, contemporary scholars, but also throughout our history, because you notice more and more nuance and more and more, wisdom in connection with so many different things subhanAllah. So if someone, I'll give you a brief example before moving on. If somebody if somebody is way out if somebody's way out in space and they're looking at Earth, then it, it may look from where they are in this very hypothetical example, it may look like, okay, you know Earth is this it's this globe. It looks like a marble it's like blue and green and from their perspective because of how far away they are That's true, but then the more you zoom in, the more detail you learn, the more you see, the more you find. And then the more you zoom in, the more you zoom in. And then there's another layer of underground, right? There's another layer of in the depths of the oceans and so on and so forth. That's, That's what it's like when a person, when they learn more about anything, especially in connection with deen. If someone really hasn't put in any time or any effort or any sacrifice, and they're way out here then for them it's like okay it's you know this dean stuff is easy right all, all of it is all of it is common sense but then the more someone zooms in they put in the time the effort the sacrifice then they start to notice and they start to learn more and more and then they start to realize that how i used to think back then i was so wrong there's so much more than what i thought was this tiny marble that was blue and green subhanallah there's so much more Right? So when, when we come across these types of ayat in which Allah references halal and haram, it's always worth taking time to learn more about whatever it is. To, to invest more time. A person may think that because they grew up making, for example, we'll do it a certain way, or or with certain understandings in connection to it, or praying, or what have you, that's good. No one is saying otherwise. Alhamdulillah, may Allah accept from all of us. But It gets more interesting when a person notices someone else may be doing something slightly different. Instead of going and jumping on their necks and harshly correcting them, correcting them, because chances are what they're doing is a different valid opinion. It's just different than what someone may have grown up with. You cannot, you're not preventing them from doing something haram in that case. There are many different valid opinions on many different things, but it's up to us to expand our understanding and to maintain good character throughout. That process. Moving on to the next point, at the end of Surah Al-Ma'idah, there are, two key, uh, there are two key parts that I want to zoom in on briefly. The first one is a dialogue between Prophet Isa Alayhi salam, Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, and his disciples. And they ask him, Can your Lord send this, this table spread from heaven, from above us? And his response was Qala Tapullah in Kuntum meening. Fear Allah if you are indeed believers. The there's incredible wisdom in this dialogue that he had with them. They had this request, and look at how he responded with them. Look at how he conversed with them. How did he speak with them? What what did he mention? What did he not mention? How did he because if you think about it, these are converts. These are converts. So he, they, they had a request. How did he deal with their request? Eventually, he does make that du'a, and Allah answers, and Allah does sound the table spread. Ma'ida minas sama But the, the point that I want to emphasize, how did he interact with them? How did he converse with them? How, 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 did he, how did he deal with them in terms of not just IQ, but also EQ, in terms of character? How did he respond, and how did, how did that dialogue go? He didn't chase them away, he wasn't harsh with them, he, he, he spoke with them, he listened, and he responded. So there was, and at the end of it, there was, as a result of the act of listening on his part, السلام, there was validation at the end of it. Very important concepts in our deen. The second point that I want to mention in connection with the end of Surah Al-Ma'idah is this, this scene is now on the Day of Judgment when Allah Azza wa asks Prophet Isa did you tell people to take you and your mother as gods in addition to Allah Azza wa So when, when you look at this ayah and you look at the back and forth, it's very clear. It's very clear that Allah Azza wa that God is the master and Prophet Isa salam is a servant of God. And th- th- this is very clear in terms of our theology as Muslims. After this ayah, when you look at the rest of the surah, there's an ayah that brought our Prophet to tears, فإنهم عبادك وإن تغفر لَهُمْ فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ The Prophet there there was one night when the Prophet he was at home and he was repeating this ayah and repeating it and repeating it and weeping and crying. He was in tears. والسلام, until Jibreel والسلام, came to him and comforted him, You're not going to be disappointed regarding your ummah. What's interesting again this ties in with the depth of reflection that we should have when connecting with the Quran this ayah is something that prophet Isa will say alayhi salam on the day of judgment if you punish them then they're your slaves they're your servants and if you forgive them then you're the most powerful you are the most wise if you choose a you're god you are allah and if you choose b so there's so much that we can take from this, even though this statement is something that Prophet Isa will say. The way that the Prophet reflected on it, sallallahu alayhi in in that in that brief brief story, is was is, in, is was excuse me, in connection it was in connection with his ummah, sallallahu wasallam. So there there was this, and that teaches us something, when we're going through the Quran to reflect. How does this apply to me? How can I benefit from this? That ayah brought the Prophet to tears And we should take a step back and reflect, how are we, do- we're weak to Ramadan. May Allah accept all of our efforts and forgive any of our mistakes. Have we truly benefited from the Qur'an? Even a little bit, it doesn't have to be Mount Everest. But if, if there's a, a small sand castle on the beach, if there's, you know, a little bit, That's good, that's really good, because even a little bit of Qur'an in reality is a lot. And the Prophet taught us this when he mentioned that for every letter that a person reads from Qur'an, then they get 10 good deeds. And it's interesting, he gave the example of alif, la, Mim. None of of us know the meaning of alif, la, Mim. So the Prophet is making it clear, even if you don't understand what you're reading, you're still going to be rewarded. Now imagine the reward on top of that when there is a sense of understanding and reflection and then to take it further, the real fruit is in the practice. And the best, the best example of a generation of this is the companions of the Prophet himself wasallam. Moving on to the next point, Surah Al-An'am, Surah number 6 begins with Alhamdulillah. It's one of only a few Surahs in the Qur'an, only a few chapters in the Qur'an that begin with Alhamdulillah. So when we come across this, it's a reminder, Alhamdulillah. You know, let me thank Allah for the blessings that I have. And Alhamdulillah, when we say it it does not mean that everything is perfect in my life, therefore I'm saying Alhamdulillah. When we're saying Alhamdulillah, it includes recognizing both the ups and the downs in our lives and recognizing that Allah is greater than all of that. Allah is greater than the ups and downs of my life. So when I say Alhamdulillah, It doesn't mean that life is perfect, Alhamdulillah. It means life is imperfect, even in spite of the imperfections. I'm still saying Alhamdulillah because Allah is greater than the peaks and valleys that this life has to offer. Alhamdulillah. We thank Allah for His blessings. The next point that I want to get to. We find this concept in Surah An'am that comes up, the denial of resurrection. This was a major issue from a lot of people within... The tribe of the Prophet, the people of the Prophet, within the general society and culture of the Prophet ﷺ. It, it was a foreign concept that after you die, you're going to come back to life. So there was this very stubborn rejection of the Day of Resurrection. It's nothing new. Just because you see one artist or another, right, saying, YOLO this, YOLO that, it's nothing new. These ayat are basically references from them in connection with the concept of Yolo. You only live once. After you die you turn into dust and bones and you're never gonna come back. That that idea is nothing new. And that idea is exactly what Iblis wants us to buy into because the way the way that he responded after he slipped and made his mistake, he wanted as much dunya as he could get. He wanted as much as he could get but even he knows eventually it's going to come to a close. So he wants to cause other people to fall into this trick to only prioritize this life and to believe that there's nothing after we pass away. So this concept is one that's, that comes up time and time again in this juz. And then finally what I want to conclude with, there's this very powerful passage of Prophet Ibrahim and his very intelligent da'wah. The, the, the way that he used celestial bodies to get through to people by way of intelligent da'wah in connection with intelligent design to show... Because there were people who worshipped the sun, the moon. The, he was not saying, hada Rabbi, hada akbar This is my Lord. This is the greatest. Because when you look at the first ayah in this passage, he's telling his father or his uncle, that's a separate discussion, he's telling this male figure... You can say his father that I I I don't worshipping idols doesn't make any sense to me. We believe as Muslims, this was briefly referenced last night, we believe as Muslims that prophets and messengers are always connected to la ilaha illallah. We believe that it's not possible for a prophet even if it's before they're given the official mantle of prophethood we believe that it's not possible for them to actually worship anything other than Allah or to actually believe in anything other than La ilaha illallah. So what he's doing is, there are people, they worship Venus. There are people, they worship these celestial bodies. So he's getting through to them in a, in a way where, where it's a question. So when it comes to the sun, for example, هَذَا رَبِّي هَذَا أَكْبَرٍ and then it sets. It was not an aha moment. Now that the sun set, I can't worship something that sets. He already knew la ilaha illallah. But he's getting through to them. This is greater? Question mark. This is greatest? Question mark. And then the sun sets. You know, that's, that's an attribute of creation. I worship Allah. Allah's different. I've turned my face to him sincerely to Allah Azza wa look at Look at how he used different things that people were worshipping in logical ways to get them to understand, to try to get them to understand his message. We ask Allah to make us, all people of la ilaha we ask Allah to help us to live it as best we can, and to make it our last words whenever that time comes. Amir Rabbil Wa akhir Alhamdulillahi